so I'm not going to be able to get through the whole of this chapter. This the jury is out as to whether I can do it next week, so we'll wait and see their verdict. But um, so let's uh, let's read Acts chapter 12, a part of it. Okay, my man. So around that time, King Herod began to use violence towards some people in the church. He killed James, a brother of John, with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Judeans, he proceeded to arrest Peter too. This was around the time of the festival of unleavened bread. So when he had seized him, he put him in jail and gave four squads of soldiers the job of guarding him. That's 16. With the intention of bringing him out to the people after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church. When you see the word but. And when you see the word suddenly in scripture. You know there's something coming special. But the church prayed earnestly. To God on Peter's behalf. On the night when Herod was intending to bring Peter out. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. There were guards on the doors watching the prison. Now another one of these words. Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood there and a light shone in the cell. The angel hit Peter. <laughs> that's a bit, that's a bit pathetic. You've got to hit me. Okay, they, well, they, some of them would really like the <laughs> The angel hit Peter 
on the side and woke him up. Get up quickly, he said. The chains fell off his hands. Then the angel spoke again. For goodness sake, get dressed and put on your sandals. So Peter did. Put on your cloak and follow me, said the angel. So he went out following the angel. He didn't think all this business with the angel was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They went through the first set of guards. Then the second. And then they came to the iron gate. That led into the city. It opened all by itself. They went out and walked along a street. Suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to his senses. Now I know it's true, he said. The Lord sent his angel and snatched me out of Herod's hands. He rescued me from all the things the Judeans were intending to do to me. This is bizarre, this stuff. This whole chapter is bizarre. It's almost unbelievable. If there was no God, this is just a fairy tale. I'm reading it, I'm thinking. This is amazing. There's really some serious stuff we can learn. And uh, we, 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 there's three characters here. There's James. Brother of John. One of the disciples. Well, he's not in it for too long. He's not in it for too long. He's, he's out of it. Uh, there's Peter. And then there's Herod. Now, so these, you find a lot of Herods in the scriptures, don't you? And the one thing that strikes you, if you study anything about the Herods, they're all a nasty piece of work. The major one that we know is called Herod the Great. And he did some amazing things, built some amazing buildings. And uh, he really, he really brought the Roman, the Roman Empire and and uh, sort of Judea, Jerusalem, really together. Almost so that um, Judaism at this time was changing. It was becoming very, what we call Hellenistic, very Greek, and very Roman. 
And there was a lot of reaction to this. So, this, this was a time of tension. And you remember that Herod, Herod the Great was threatened. Remember those three magi that came to him? Where is, where's, Where's the Saviour? Where's the Messiah? We've seen his star in the east. Herod said, well, go and find him. And then let me know, because I'll go and worship him. No. And there were lots of so-called messiahs during this time. But they were all a threat. To Herod. Because he was made by the Romans. The king of the Jews. So he didn't want the king. And you remember just before Herod died. He killed off all those children in Bethlehem and the surrounds. That were two years or under. He also killed three of his own sons. Anybody else who opposed him. Now, this Herod is the nephew of another Herod named Antipas. And they seem to like taking people's heads off. He beheaded John the Baptist. And he was the one who tried Jesus. So, so they're not really a nice family, are they? And the church here to this Herod is seen as a threat. So he, he begins to persecute the church. And he arrests James. And he has him killed by the sword. I don't know if they actually beheaded they sword in the back of their neck and punched it there. Quick but not nice. When James was one of the disciples, and him and his brother John, they realised that they were involved with something special. They realised that being with Jesus, you know, it's about the best thing that was happening. Their understanding was somewhat limited. They realised, boy, we're, we're important. And James and John's mum, she was ambitious for her boys. And she goes to Jesus. And she says, Jesus, when you come into your, whatever it is, your kingdom, my boys. 
Bashman Manama. Good boys. Babadli. Very special boys. Um, any chance that they could be in a place of prominence? Nah, on Alumia Dog, Bakaba, Spikin, Samfoka Hand, Yamunga Lutuna, one on the left hand, Yamunga Lutuna, one on the left hand. And Jesus said, Jesua, well, actually, that's not for me. That's for my father. But he turned to James and he said, James, can you drink the cup I am going to drink? Yes, he replied, I can drink that cup. And here we see the fulfillment. He drank that cup. It was the cup of martyrdom. It's good when we look back and see these things. I think sometimes we need to be a bit careful what we say to the Lord. Because he might just take us at our word. Let's read it doing this to James increased his popularity with the Jews. So he arrests Peter and puts him in jail. And, uh, and then he plans that after the Passover is finished, he'll do the same to Peter. So... Here's the bizarreness of the situation. Peter is heavily guarded. He's between two soldiers. He's got two chains around him. As I was reading, I was thinking, well, what did Herod think was going to happen? I mean, he's got 16, 16 sort of soldiers you know, fourth taking a turn so many hours I mean what were they expecting to happen it seems bizarre but maybe just maybe there might have been just that well, some weird things happened with these people in the past. So we're taking no chances. Actually, that makes this chapter all the better, actually, doesn't it? And what is Peter doing? He's sleeping. How is it possible that he's sound asleep when he's going to have his head taken off the following day? <laughs> I mean, I can't sleep with a blinking rain. <laughs> Let alone. I'm not going to go there. There's something I want to say, but I can't. I have to wait till the men are around. I give up. I give up to you. I'm more. No, no. I give up to you. Yes, I see. 
ซึ่งเป็นพิธีอุตินามิ 3 You know the high priest servant? He went to take his head off. I think Peter was probably cross-eyed. Because <laughs> he only got an ear. And what did Jesus do? He touched that ear. He healed the ear. What a miracle it would have been if he got the head. <laughs> that, that would have been something. <laughs> I said, I like Peter. But one of the last times that Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. He said to Peter, We're having a meal. And he said, Get your hat and come and go to your house. Am I your friend? And look after my sheep. Now, now, Peter, are you really my friend? Lord, you know I'm your friend. What do I have to do, Lord? Are you really my friend? Lord, you know that. Because three times he denied, three times he's asked. You care. For my flock. And then Jesus said these words. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself. In other words, you were responsible for your own actions. And you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And it says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Stretching out of the hands. Someone else putting you in place where you don't want to go. He's telling Peter, when you're old, you will glorify God. As I went to a cross, so will you. Tradition holds it that Peter was crucified upside down. 
is whatever situation we find ourselves in we believe what God has said to us. Okay. That's, that's not easy, it's hard. And, and, and that demands a relationship with the Lord. And so for, 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 for Peter, he walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus in the flesh. So, so it was what? Jesus spoke to him, man to man. For us, we don't see Jesus. Um, we, we, he's with us. But he comes in the person of his spirit. But we have his word. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we don't emphasize enough what we call the canon of scripture and that means it's a yardstick by which we judge everything that is God breathed and inspired and we, and we can trust it but without relationship with with Jesus himself, we won't know that which um, he highlights and applies to us particularly at one given time. That's why people can read the Bible and get nothing out of it. Because they don't have that intimacy with Jesus. The two have to go together. Peter had that intimacy. And we have through the word of God. Which means we must not neglect God's word. But also God speaks to us prophetically, doesn't he? We last week. 
We saw how Agabus. Sent to Antioch. Antioch. He was given a special message of, of a famine. And the church weighed it, and sent famine relief to the Judean to the Judean churches. So God speaks to us prophetically. Sometimes, though. Now, we get an impression or an inkling that we ought to do something. There's a sensitivity to the, to the Holy Spirit. And this is tricky. It is, it is tricky. Because we, want, we, we, we question ourselves. <coughs> don't we? Oh, am I getting this right? Am I not getting this right? Yeah, but be encouraged. Because Paul was like that. Remember Paul and Silas? Paul said to Silas, let's revisit the churches. This was after Barnabas had taken John Mark with him. And, and, and let's strengthen and encourage the church. That's a good thing to do. And I spend a lot of my time doing that. I mean, Churches that I've served, and encouraged them. They never get to do that. But no, no, we need to push on here. So then they came to a place called Troas. Ancient Troy, the Greek ancient Troy. There's nothing, there's nothing there. There's nothing much there. Nice beach, have a swim. Have have water. Water. But it's there that God speaks. To the Macedonian man. And it was that where Paul went over and began his ministry in Europe. So in our walk with God as we mature, there will be things that we think, hold on, is that of God, is that not of God? But we will get inklings. I think when Paul heard that Macedonian voice, I think, I think he shared it with the others in the morning or whatever it was. They may have prayed through it, we don't know. But they were convinced. Need to go across. So, so I, I wanna I wanna tell you a story, something that happened to me. Which, which began in the late late 70s, really. Um, when I was leading the church in Biggin Hill. I hadn't gone 
Being a Christian there was not easy. It wasn't as bad as the Soviet Union. But there was a man there who was given the authorities a lot of trouble. His name was Tibor Ivani. And uh, he was... Traveling, he was doing meetings. There was a lot of miracle signs and wonders taking place. And the authorities didn't like it. So they, put him, they put him under house arrest. Uh, that must be difficult for him. Because he had twelve children. Locked up with 12 children. Anyway, this young journalist in the church, and he was going to um, do some investigation, write an article for a Christian magazine. Would you like to come? Yeah, why not? That'd be good. And uh, we, we, we went down to this, uh, this place um, which was near, near the borders of Russia. I, I remember it was cold. It was cold. And we, we, saw, we had a little shack at the bottom of the garden. There was, and, and we had no running water. And to wash in the morning, fill a bucket up with cold water. And we used to heat it up with one of these things. It was a smaller version of how you would heat up a baptistry. You know, you know, to, and uh, we, we froze. And then he had this rickety old car. I think it was held together with matchsticks and elastic bands. And he took us, he took us meetings. I thought we were going to die. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, I, I, and he kept listening to all these tapes when, he, when we were in the car. And the tape machine would go wrong. He just lay his hands on it and pray. And it would start again. This is new to me. I mean, it's more bizarre than the chapter we're looking at, I know. And he was a big man. He was like a bear. A bit like Rasputin, but a godly man. <laughs> it really was. And anyway, we, we, had this, we had this week with him and my friend wrote the article. And, and you remember I came up, it was an experience. And I thought, well, that's, that's my overseas ministry gone, finished. 
in um, a place called Debrecen, which is in um, which is in Hungary. So I told Terry. Well, go. Me and a colleague. Off we went to this conference. conference And when we got there, they wouldn't let us in. They wouldn't let us in. Can you and I said, why? Because we're suspicious of foreigners. Because in the 1950s, the Russians came in. took away all the men. A lot of them had never known their fathers. Very famous Hungarian footballer, very famous. And he disappeared. And he escaped and came out to play some very serious football. But they, they had a suspicion of foreigners. So, so they I've got five days here. I'm thinking, Lord, I obviously got this wrong. So much for my international ministry. And, and, and the worst thing was this. My, my colleague, Richard Hayden Knowles, who was a lovely man, he loved art games. I'm, I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> but it wasn't the sort of art that I appreciated. <laughs> so we're in this art gallery. And he's looking at this huge painting. And it's just a red blob. And all I'm thinking of I'm staying in Big and Hill from now on. And then, and then I said to the Lord, be careful what you say to God. Lord, if I got this right, give me a sign. 
ka go mogena ha e ba ke nepile ka o tla mo mpheponntso bona standing there looking at this blob jwale ke ke she be the she be le what are you doing here? I'm trying to get into a conference. He said, I'm going there. I'll take you in. Get out there. I you have 30 minutes to share with us. In that 30 minutes, I preached everything I knew on the restoration of the church. That was it. That was dismissed. No more conference. But a young woman came up to us. She said, I'm a doctor. Her name is Iboya. He said, there's a young fella here. He's very sick with a fever. I can't do anything. you spoke about healing, would you come and pray? And we prayed. And he was instantaneously healed. This was God. God. Don't clap him, you clap him. And so she said, she said, what are you going to do after this conference? So I said, well, um, Richard and I will go back to Budapest and find a hotel and spend three days. Not, not, not in art galleries, but sort of, you know, sightseeing. <laughs> She said, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to come and stay with me and my husband. You're going to be a guest. He was an engineer. For the government. Educated by the government. Therefore was never allowed to leave that position because it was government. So we went back with them. We got really well. We little house group. Then God gave me a prophetic word. Which was, you're going to leave your employment. And you're going to leave a movement of churches. They said, well, that's not possible. Because of the government. Well, it was possible, and he was released later. And when the three days were up, and we got on so well, um, we learned that she was the leading heart specialist in Hungary. And, and her, her father led a movement called the Free Christian Movement. So we walked into something. And she said, Will you come back? I said, Why? 
I want to tell you something. How no conference And they wouldn't let you stay. Because you split the conference. Half of them wanted to give the conference over to you. But half we are born conference. The other half didn't. So she said, you had something to say. She said, but what you need to understand. We are very restricted here in Hungary. She said, but Lotzi, her husband, Lotzi. Morning, we were able to get out of Hungary and go to France. France. And I think they drove there. And Michael Harper. Michael Harper. Michael Harper was one of the leaders of the renewal movement in the 1960s and 70s in, in, in England. She said, she said it was, it was wonderful. But we knew there's more than renewal. As we came back into Hungary, we stopped. We went into a nearby wood. And we knelt down and we prayed. There's more. We need help. She said, we had a vision of two men coming. And when you stood up, you were the two in the vision. Isn't that amazing? We had an inkling. We had a sense that we could go to hunger. I'm so glad we followed that. I, I went into Hungary ten times in the next two years. I saw some amazing things. After two years, we were forbidden to go again. But the damage had been done. Now, when we read these sort of stories in here, and we read the stories of the great missionaries, it's very easy to step back from that. Oh, that's the, that's the great men and women of God. Oh, that's, that's, that's the scriptures, that's those who walk with Jesus. But they are no different from us. We've got to understand that. You know, people talk about the great men and women of, of, of power that, that walk with God. There are no such people. It's just a great God who uses ordinary things. So when I read this story, although in a sense it's bizarre, it's not. This is our God. You know, and that's why it's so important. We, we grow in intimacy with him. That we don't neglect the scripture. That we, we, we take prophecy seriously and weigh it. 
Yeah, there's a lot of rubbish out there that's called prophecy. So we need to be discerning. We can do that. But, but this sensitivity to God's promptings. And I'm so glad that I went on that trip. Even though I thought the whole thing was, I just got it wrong. And so here's Peter. He's now free. God has been good to his word. He's still a young man. And he's still got his head. Now he's going to be an old man. But in the intervening years, he's going to do a lot for Jesus. I said to Sue the other day, death is no big deal. Unless we live foolishly. But if Christians, death is no big deal. It is to the people who leave behind. Of course there is. But for us, it says, our days are in his hands. So for James, no big deal. In a split second, he's there with Jesus. His body's somewhere else without a head on it. He's run his race, he's finished his course. And what is laid up for him is a crown of glory. And we just gotta we just gotta look at it that way. Some people say, do you fear death? I said, I don't fear death, but I'm not looking forward to the, whatever method it comes by. No. I, I wouldn't like to have a very long illness. That's, that's not for me to say. What, what is for me to say? Cho. One of my favourites. He started, he started a church with two other members. His wife and his mother-in-law. That's <laughs> you know, not good for starters. <laughs> and he grew his church for over a million. And started smaller ones of 50,000. And uh, somebody said to him once, What's the secret of your success? He said, well, I had a very small church. And I didn't have to do any pastoral ministry. So I prayed. And if you read the story, it's an amazing story. He wasn't a very good preacher. People said, when they queued for the prayer meeting, 25,000 of them queuing to get into a prayer meeting. For an hour, then the next lot will come in. One day he disguised himself. 
Queued up with everybody else. Very cold, so he was wrapped up in a scarf. Why do you queue up in this cold weather and come into this? It's It's a pastor, really. He's not a very good preacher. But he brings the presence of God. And I went to a meeting with Amazing meeting in London. There were 12,000 seats. Wembley Stadium. 12,000 seats. 12,000 in there. And we had to pay to go to a prayer meeting. That's a miracle in England. (laughs) 12,000 locked out. And Yongi Cho wouldn't speak. All we did was pray for the nation. But eventually, got into got into speak a little bit. And he said, he said, he said, yeah, we pray. But he said something I always remember. He said, I just say to God every day, I'm only your servant. Show me what you want me to do. Oh boy, did that hit me. I know last week I said, I said, let's not clap leaders, let's clap. Jesus. Uh, I think. This is what I'm this is what I meant. Yeah, we honor leadership. We give thanks for that. Let's not be so familiar with it. But let's always be so familiar. Yeah. Let's not be so familiar. And, and for Peter, <laughs> who was Jesus was his hero. And the next week, the jury gives a favourable verdict. I'll continue the second part. Shall we just come and pray? Have a great God. I mean, if you're here this morning and you've you've never given your allegiance to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be on your side. I know I'm not perfect. I know you can clean me up. Then you would be a wise man or woman to say to him now, Jesus, I'm yours. From now on, show me each day how you want me to live. What you want me to do. And if you've done that, Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful. And we'll have forgiven you your sins. And I'd say, welcome to the family of God. Lord, we thank you for your amazing word. Thank you that over that first century, so orchestrated, it was brought together. So we have this wonderful compilation today.
morena hore re tle re be le buka ene bi tswang bibili ka tshi tsena di ka duwe kwa he morena ntsulena ha e be nama ho gona ka kapela ye Thank you for being with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen.